Hi, welcome to this reading of the business record for August 10th, business record of Central Iowa's Business Weekly. I'm Pat Steele, and all material heard on IRS is, on IRS is intended for the use of listeners with print disabilities. Now here's our first story. Lead Des Moines is accepting nominations for its annual Distinguished Leadership Awards. The award honors alumni of any Lead Des Moines program who exemplify the heart of community stewardship, recognizing those who are caretakers and changemakers for Greater Des Moines. New this year is the Workplace Community Leadership Award, which recognizes an organization that supports and encourages its employees to hold leadership roles in the community and to seek out opportunities for community leadership development. Lead Des Moines alumni and community members can submit nominations for the A. Arthur Davis Community Leadership Award, Youth Impact Award, and Workplace Community Leadership Award. Self-nominations are accepted. Award recipients will be recognized from 5.30 to 9 p.m. September 13th at Lead Des Moines' Toast on the Lawn at the Lordston Amphitheater at Waterworks Park. The deadline for award nominations is August 27th or 22nd, I'm sorry, the award nominations are due August 22nd, and nominations can be submitted to Lead Des Moines. Event Spotlight, Iowa's Future Workforce, 50 college interns attend DSM Intern Connection Executive Luncheon. This is an article written by Susanna DeBaca of the Business Record. Event Spotlight is a feature the business record will use to share about new and ongoing events and initiatives that aim to address issues affecting the business community. The Greater Des Moines Partnership welcomed 50 college interns at DSM Intern Connection Executive Luncheon on August 8th at the Embassy Club. Students who attended the luncheon represented nearly 20 different colleges and universities across the country. Executives from five local companies served as mentors in speed networking, including Emily Abbas, Executive Vice President, Chief Consumer Banking and Marketing Officer at Bankers Trust, Suzanne Nabaka, CEO of the Business Publications Corporation, Dan Keel, who's the Chairman and CEO of Holmes Murphy, Mike McCoy, the CEO of NCMIC Group, and Jeff Rommel, Senior Vice President for Property and Casualty at Nationwide Insurance. At the event, the interns had the opportunity to meet and talk with local executives during lunch, followed by speed networking where executives rotated from table to table. Interns asked the executives questions about their careers, including information about their companies, their leadership journeys, what they love about Des Moines and Iowa, and advice for the future. The colleges represented, including Central College of Pella, uh, Clemson University, Columbia University, uh, Des Moines Area Community College, or commonly known as DMAC, Dort University, Drake University, Graceland, Grinnell, Iowa State University, Northwest Missouri State, Penn State, Rice University, South Dakota State University, the University of Iowa, the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, University of Northern Iowa, and the University of Texas at El Paso, and Wartburg College. Organized by the Greater Des Moines Partnership, the event was sponsored by Bankers Principal survey finds businesses growing while employees show less confidence. The latest Principal Financial Wellbeing Index survey shows a disparity between U.S. employers and their employees in financial health and well-being. While both employers and employees' top concerns include rising costs and macroeconomic challenges, 
Employers said they feel more satisfied with their business's present financial situation than employees feel about their personal finances. Only 34% of employees are always or often satisfied about their personal finances compared to more than 70% of employers who are always or often satisfied about their business's finances. As business owners continue to see growth, it's important to recognize that their employees may feel less confident about their financial growth and there are ways to provide greater support. This said by Amy Friedrich, who's the president of Benefits and Protection at Principal, and her comments were in a prepared release. She continued, employer support could be offering financial wellness tools or providing a holistic benefits package that meets their employees' needs. This support can be a key differentiator for employers, helping them retain talent while also making a real difference in the financial lives of their employees. According to the survey, nearly two-thirds of employees would not be able to cover expenses for longer than three months if they lost their main source of income. When examining this trend based on demographic differences, 55% of Generation Z and 44% of millennial employees would not be able to cover expenses without that main income. Additionally, women are more likely to say that they couldn't cover expenses for more than one week, while men are more likely to say they'd be able to cover expenses for six months or more. Employer sentiment remains high, despite uh, persistent complaint, persistent concerns about inflation and the stability of the United States economy. More businesses are currently growing compared to this time last year, 64% versus 52%. Small businesses also reported year-over-year increases in growth at 58% versus 46%. However, while most businesses report growth, they're less optimistic about the overall growth of the U.S. economy. Friedrich said, Small businesses continue to demonstrate positive sentiment and steady cash flow. However, when you move beyond their specific business or region, employers are less confident about the broader economy. Ohio Company buys medical office buildings in Des Moines. This is an article written by Kathy Bolton and details some of the real estate changes uh, in Central Iowa over the last week. A Worcester, Ohio entity has paid $8.1 million for property along Southwest 9th Street in Des Moines that includes medical buildings, Polk County real estate records show. The property's at 850 Dickman Road and 6651 Southwest 9th Street were acquired by 850 and 6651 Des Moines LLC from Mercy South II, an entity located in Kansas City. The property at 850 Dickman Road includes a 22,572 square foot medical office building that was constructed in 1999. The 4.7 acre parcel is valued at $5.5 million. The adjacent property at 6651 Southwest 9th Street includes a 9,344-square-foot medical office building constructed in 2005, and that property is valued at $1.8 million. In other real estate developments, John and Michelle Dolly paid the Gordon Living Trust $1.35 million for property at 3920 Grand Avenue in Des Moines, the property includes a condominium unit in the Barbican condo building that was, that was constructed in the late 1970s. MH Property Enterprises, located in Leewood, Kansas, paid Denny Elwell family 
uh, LC $5.4 million for undeveloped property in Ankeny. The property is east of Southeast Delaware Avenue, just south of its intersection with Southeast 54th Street. JNMS Investments, LLC, located in West Des Moines, paid Iowa Services a process $600,000 for property at 974 73rd Street in Windsor Heights. The purchase involved the acquisition of three office condominiums. Deborah Trowbridge paid Kimberly Development Corporation just over $1 million for property at 5908 Northeast Terrace Ridge Drive in Ankeny. The property includes a recently built single-family house. The transaction was recorded on August 2nd. Dominic Fomero Jr. paid Randall Childs $1.59 million for property at 5555 Northeast 88th Street in Altoona. The 6.5-acre parcel included a two-story brick house built in 2006. Zachary and Bethany Westrom paid Threshold Capital, LLC, $1.3 million for farm ground west of Northwest 37th Street near the Des Moines River in Ankeny. An Indianapolis, Indiana-based multifamily developer has purchased a vacant parcel south of the Raccoon River where an apartment project has been proposed. Union at River's Edge LP, managed by Annex Group, paid 214, uh, I'm sorry, by the Annex Group, uh, paid $6.33 million for the nearly four-acre tract at 1600 Indianola Avenue. Over a year ago, the Annex Group proposed building a $56.1 million apartment development on the vacant parcel. The project would include a six-story, 192-unit building, a leg of which would be steps away from the heavily used Meredith Trail and Jackson Street Bridge, a second-ranked rectangular-shaped building, which would front Southwest 2nd Street, would include 24 units. A development agreement with the developer was approved in August 2022 by the Des Moines City Council on a 4-3 to vote. And one real estate note from Dallas County. Jerry and Nicole Basanimus paid Arbor Home Buildings $1.75 million for property at 9540 Gray Birch Point in West Des Moines. The property includes a recently constructed single-family house. And again, this article was written by Kathy Bolton, who's a senior staff writer at the Business Record. Cushman and Wakefield release an office market report. Uh, Cushman and Wakefield, which has offices in West Des Moines, has begun releasing a quarterly report on the area's office market. The report, which shows a 16.5% vacancy rate in the area, said that the market features numerous opportunities for businesses to take near turnkey space with existing furniture, fixtures, and equipment available. Nearly 60% of the leases signed in the 2023's second quarter were within Class A properties, the report said. The city of Waukee has received a $100,000 grant from the Iowa Economic Development Authority that will be used to help transform a vacant building in the suburb's downtown area into new commercial space. The Pin Oak Building at 405 6th Street has been vacant for a decade. Albert Real Estate Group plans on turning the space into a restaurant, something residents want in the downtown. Plans include restoring the building's original step-down roofline, adding windows and a skylight, and the renovation project is estimated to cost $430,000.
New Viridian branch office planned in Ankeny. Construction is underway on a new Viridian Credit Union branch office at 2115 Southwest State Street in Ankeny, just south of the district at Prairie Trail. Viridian will relocate and expand its operations from the branch currently located inside the Prairie Trail High V Grocery. The High V branch will close when the new branch opens in the spring of 2024. We have a long history of partnering with Hy-V for Viridian branch locations, and we're grateful for that partnership, Shelley McGill, Viridian Central Iowa Regional Manager, said in a prepared statement. Shifting this location to a traditional standalone branch less than half a mile away will allow us to offer drive-up service and more interior space, which will provide an overall improved member experience. The new 3,422-square-foot Prairie Trail branch will include four drive-up lanes, including one for an ATM. Inside, it will include space for both business and consumer lending and a self-serve coin machine. All six Viridian employees who work at the current Prairie Trail Hy-Vee branch will transfer to the new location, and Viridian is planning on hiring additional employees for that branch. Iowa Hotel and Lodging Association launches new sustainability award. The Iowa Hotel and Lodging Association is seeking nominations for its first sustainability award, which is presented by Wood River Energy. Nominated properties must provide examples of how they're reducing, reusing, and recycling for long-term sustainability and the environment. Self-nominations will be accepted. The winner will be chosen based on the impact of its sustainable practices, creativity, and innovation, as well as the level of difficulty required to implement and maintain each. The winner will be honored at the Iowa Hotel and Lodging Association's inaugural awards program on October 2nd, and that will be at the Rewind Hotel in West Des Moines. Jessica Dunker, president and CEO of the Iowa Hotel and Lodging Association, said in a prepared release, Hotels and lodging facilities are homes away from home for weary travelers. Operations embracing eco-friendly practices prove that sustainability does not have to compromise comfort or luxury. Des Moines City Council promotes Hoff to Assistant City Manager. Jim Hoff received a promotion to Assistant City Manager during the Des Moines City Council meeting on Monday. In his new role which will take effect immediately in anticipation of the retirement of current Assistant City Manager Pam Cooksey. Hoff will oversee the city's facilities division and the engineering and information technology departments. His annual salary will be $189,000. City Manager Scott Sanders said in a prepared release, Jim brings extensive experience and knowledge to this position. His vision and insight will help guide major projects forward to build the future of our city. For the past seven years, Hoff has served as the facilities manager for the city of Des Moines, where he worked on planning and construction for major projects such as the, excuse me, such as the Municipal Services Center 2 and Fire Station 11. He is also currently guiding projects such as the Reichardt Community Recreation Center, the City Facility Expansion Study, and the new City Greenhouse. The projects we work on over the next decade will shape what a city looks like for the next 50 years, Hoff said in the release. The opportunities ahead of Des Moines are energizing. It's going to take collaborative, intelligent planning to take full advantage. I'm looking forward to working with our team across city departments to move toward those goals. 
The demolition, demolition of the Kaleidoscope is underway in downtown Des Moines. The once popular indoor mall and food court located at 515 Walnut Street is being raised to make way for a 33-story mixed-use office tower. The high-rise would include 390 apartment units and street-level commercial space. Construction of the project, estimated to cost $140 million, could begin yet this year. Joel Teeling, the project's developer, has said that the kaleidoscope at the hub, which also includes office space, was built in the mid-1980s. Its upper-level food court was once a bustling place during weekday lunch hours. In recent years, as retailers left the space, the food court in the entire building became desolate. The building was shuttered earlier this year. Teeling has said that once the building is demolished, it could take up to three months to remove the rubble. Hubble Realty's newest apartment building nearly ready to open. Pandemic slowed the development of the level, which took five years to plan and build. This is a story written by Kathy Bolton of the Business Record. In the fall of 2018, Hubble Realty Company began work on a conceptual design for a five-story, 114-unit apartment building in its Bridge District development just south of Interstate 235. The company's goal was to begin construction on a project called Level in early 2020. The pandemic upended those plans. Vertical construction of the $28 million project began in late 2021. In September, Hubble expects to obtain an occupancy certificate and begin allowing residents to move into the building. That includes a heated parking garage and a rooftop lounge with views of downtown Des Moines. It's been a long, long slog, said Matt Weller, Hubble's director of development. We faced rising costs and lead time issues. Fortunately, we're delivering into a market where the occupancy rates are 96% to 97%. The Level Apartment Project is located in the Bridge District, a townhouse and apartment development started in 2015 by Hubble. The district is south of I-235 and east of the Des Moines River. When completed, it is expected to include over 1,000 people living in over 470 residences. Level includes one- to four-bedroom apartment units with monthly rents beginning at $1,295. Level's close proximity to the East Village mixed-use neighborhood, the Central Business District, the river and pedestrian trails are key selling points to living in the building, Weller said. This is a prime location, he added. We have empty nesters that are moving into our apartments and young professionals. This type of living is very attractive. Eleven pre-leases have been signed, Weller said. He said he expects the building to be fully leased by the end of the year. We have a teacher, a CPA, a nurse, and recent college graduates working downtown, said David May, a senior regional manager for Indigo Living, a Hubble subsidiary. They all like that. Level was within walking distance to a lot of different things. Amenities in Level include indoor and outdoor fitness centers, community patios with fire pits, a pet courtyard and dog wash station, a business center with soundproof pods, and a first-level self-serve micro-market, which is a new feature for Hubble. The market will have a variety of items, including snacks, sodas, and other beverages, pain medicines, crackers, and other foods. If you want a Gatorade or need some Advil, you can go to the market and pick it up, Weller said. The market is only open to level residents. Items are purchased with a credit card. We think this will be a great amenity for the residents. We're not looking at it from an income-generating standpoint. It's a convenience for residents so that they don't have to leave the building to go get something small. 
top golf site plan is under review by West Des Moines officials. Kathy Bolton, again, the business record, wrote this article. A site plan for a proposed 72-hitting Bay Top Golf is under review by West Des Moines. However, a construction timeline for the much-anticipated venue has not been shared with the city staff. Dallas-based Top Golf Entertainment Group announced over a year ago that it planned on opening its first Iowa location on the northwest corner of Jordan Creek and Mills Civic Parkways. Since the announcement, developers and city staff have met several times to discuss ways guests could access the venue from surrounding streets, two of which have center medians, city council members were told during a recent development and planning subcommittee meeting. City Manager Tom Hayden said during the meeting, There have been some challenges with this site. We thought we got what was best for both the city and the developer. A median on on Mills Civic Parkway will be modified to allow traffic in and out of the venue, a city staffer told council members. Topgolf has been a national entertainment venue that residents have frequently asked for in central Iowa. The company opened its first U.S. venue in 2005 in Alexandria, Virginia, Initially, Topgolf located in areas with populations of 1 million or more. In 2019, it began opening venues in medium-sized markets, including Omaha, where it opened a facility in mid-2020. Topgolf now has 90 venues, including its newest two in St. New- Petersburg, Florida, and King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, both of which opened in June and have 100 two climate-controlled hitting bays on three levels. The proposed West Des Moines venue, which will face Coach Light Drive South 77th Street, will be two levels with 19,630 square feet of space, according to city officials. Lights on tall poles that will light the golf range will face east toward Jordan Creek Parkway. City officials said that they have reviewed whether light poles and tall poles that support netting surrounding the driving range will cause interference between the antenna at the Westcom Emergency Communications Center on Mill Civic Parkway and an antenna that is on top of a water tower at South 50th Street. This has been analyzed by Westcom and their engineering consultants, Linda Schemmel, West Des Moines Development Coordinator, wrote in an email, they determined no issues based on a proposed building pole placement. Schemmel wrote that top golf officials have not shared when construction of the project is expected to begin. Top golf did not respond to an email requesting information about the project. Um, then there's another uh, addendum to this story. Future Sweet Shots plans to develop a golf entertainment facility called Sweet Shots on undeveloped land south of Grand Avenue and west of Interstate 35 have been shelved, the project's developer told the business record. However, Paul County did not rule out locating the entertainment value in another location. County wrote in a text message, We couldn't close on the original location in West Des Moines for a number of reasons outside of our control. Asked if he was looking for a different location, County reiterated that as of today, we are not moving forward at the original location. In fall 2021, County announced plans for Sweet Shots, a golf-centered entertainment venue with a restaurant, bar, and 60 climate-controlled bays from which golf balls could be hit onto a range. The area surrounding Sweet Shots was proposed to include a hotel, restaurant, and office space, Some residents of Glen Oaks, which is a gated community built around a private golf course, opposed the development, saying it would be an eyesore and would lower the value of their properties. 
The residents filed lawsuits in an effort to stop the development. A judge dismissed the lawsuits. And one more update on the story, Bomber's update. Development is underway on a 35-acre site at 5505 Merle Hay Road that will be home to Bombers, an indoor family entertainment center with 36 climate-controlled hitting bays overlooking a 270-yard driving range. Buildings have been demolished that had been on the site, and grading has begun. The next steps are installing utilities and other infrastructure, developer Alan Stoy told the business record. We expect to go vertical in late August or early September, and Stoy expects the facility to be open in about a year by the fall of 2024. Another news from the August 10th edition of the Business Record, Dwalla launches new product to streamline payment operations. Des Moines-based payment services provider Dwalla announced that the launch of Dwalla Connect, an application programming interface solution designed for mid- to enterprise-sized businesses. Dwalla Connect simplifies the process of replacing legacy technology with modern infrastructure enhancing the management and reconciliation of payments across multiple financial institutions. According to a news release, mid- to enterprise-sized organizations struggle with outdated payment processes and fragmented banking integrations, each with its own API and unique set of requirements. With Dwalla Connect, businesses can embrace a single API to avoid dealing with multiple bank integrations and simplify their treasury management by consolidating all payments into one cohesive view, the release said. It also allows businesses to leverage their existing commercial accounts at U.S. banks, including J.P. Morgan, Chase & Company, and Wells Fargo, to initiate payments. Expanding our product offerings with Connect is an exciting step forward that showcases our commitment to offering simplified payment solutions tailored to our customer needs, Dave Glazer, Dwalla's Chief Operating Officer and President, said in a prepared statement. Not every business needs a digital wallet, but they do want our industry-leading payment processing capabilities to streamline their payment operations. Dwalla Connect serves a range of industries, including financial services, lending, banking as a service, marketplaces, and insurance. In the next year, Dwalla plans to expand banking network coverage, introduce new payment methods, and increase value-added services. Next story is entitled Burgers to Ballet. Ballet Des Moines is to create arts education campus in the kaleidoscope space. This is a story written by Michael Crum of the Business Record. A hub for arts and education will open in space has been vacant for several years in the Kaleidoscope in downtown Des Moines. Representatives of EMC Insurance Companies and Ballet Des Moines announced today. The Ballet Des Moines Central Campus for Arts and Education is expected to open in early 2024. It will serve as a physical and virtual space with shared resources to connect and collaborate, representatives of the project said during a news conference this morning at the site. The nearly 9,000-square-foot space, which once included a Burger King restaurant, which vacated the space in 2019, faces Walnut Street on the first floor at 655 Walnut Street. It will offer space for pop-up performances, professional development workshops, and low-cost rentals for other nonprofits, a news release stated. Blair uh, Massa, who's the CEO of Ballet Des Moines, said during a news conference, the space will be a new permanent home for the ballet's programs and a hub for learning and collaboration across disciplines and communities. 
The new space will serve as a shared community asset for nonprofits, educators, artists, and community leaders who share a commitment to improving outcomes and quality of life across the region. Massa said the location downtown Des Moines will create opportunities for residents, residents to engage with art every day. Ballet Des Moines will launch a $2.5 million capital campaign to help fund renovations to other space, which will include a larger studio theater, a small studio, storage for costumes and sets, office spaces, restrooms, and showers. It will double the space Ballet Des Moines currently has and allow for more professional dancers to join the company, Massa said. Beth Nygut, Executive Vice President at EMC, which owns the building, said the project will help revitalize the neighborhood. She continued, there's been a lot of discussion in recent years about how to ensure the creative community is present because that helps ensure the vibrancy of and economics of cities, she said during the news conference. The ballet is an important contributor to Central Iowa's rich arts and cultural offerings, and today's news puts Ballet Des Moines in the very heart of downtown in a highly visible location. At the news, as the news conference is being held, demolition of the hub tower continued a block away where a 33-story mixed-use tower is planned for the site. Nygut said the building will get a new facade with a new paint and larger energy-efficient windows and new signage at the corner of 6th Avenue and Walnut Street, listing the tenants inside. It is expected to be done by the end of the year, she said. In addition to the capital campaign, the project received a boost with a $100,000 grant from the Community Foundation of Greater Des Moines and an $85,000 grant from Bravo Greater Des Moines. Sally Dix, the executive director of Bravo, said the new Ballet Des Moines campus strengthens the opportunities for creative collaboration. By removing barriers to access and inclusion, the space will embody what Ballet Des Moines stands for and bring important visibility to the broader role of arts and culture in advancing artistic, economic, and social objectives across the region. Dix continued, this is an exciting step that advances the region's expectations that arts, culture, and heritage are integral to our community's success. Christy Niles, the president of the Community Foundation, said the campus will help meet the community's goal of having a thriving, vibrant arts and cultural scene to enhance quality of life. Niles said arts are central to catalyzing communities in a way that is transformative not only for the place but for the people. Tiffany Talshuk, the president and CEO of the Greater Des Moines Partnership, said the Ballet Des Moines campus is the latest example of the community's commitment to the arts and culture and will benefit the community and region. She said the project fits with partnerships downtown future forward vision plan and action plan. The plan calls for creating connections to places and people, she said. This campus supports that vision and helps ensure our downtown entire region continue to be a destination for inclusive opportunities. Massa said the ballet is excited to be a part of the conversation of how, down spa- how downtown space is used at a time when how downtown is used is evolving. Ballet Des Moines has looked at a number of locations over the past 10 years. From the very beginning, the conversation with EMC was different. Not only was EMC looking at this as an opportunity to invest in the community at large, we're also in a conversation about downtown spaces and what is changing in the world around downtown, around residents, employees, and how often they're here and what will keep them here. The conversations are extremely exciting about how Des Moines can potentially be a leader in finding pathways to transform downtown spaces that have been empty for a decade 
or what we can do to not just attract a tenant, but attract something that will change the feel of downtown. And again, this article is written by Michael Crum, and he's a senior staff writer at the Business Record. You're listening to this week's edition, August 10th, 2023, of the Business Record. Our thanks to the folks at Business Publications for providing a copy of the Business Record to Iris so that we can read it for you. If you have any comments on this or any other IRS program, give us a call at 515-243-6833. Now back to the business record. Principal welcomes new managing director of global fixed income. Principal Asset Management announced Monday that Michael Guse has joined the firm as managing director of global fixed income and portfolio manager on select strategies. Guse will take on leadership responsibilities across the platform, including becoming a portfolio manager on principal fixed income, short-term income, core, core plus, and U.S. global multi-sector strategies and associated products. Kamal Batia, global head of investments for principal asset management, said in a news release, Michael's experience Leadership and creativity will further bolster our already strong global fixed income capabilities. Guse has more than 25 years of investment industry experience. He previously spent 14 years as head of global pensions and multi-sector fixed income portfolio management at Goldman Sachs Asset Management. Management. He also served as a member of the Goldman Sachs Fixed Income Business Development Committee and the Macroeconomic Outlook Team. Guse has also held leadership positions at Drake Management, J.P. Morgan Chase, Prudential Financial, and GE Asset Management. Al Exito suspends community-led financial program due to lack of financial support. Kama and Camino was a trusted partner for Latino community. Sarah Dean, a staff writer for the Business Record, wrote this article. El Exito, a Des Moines-based nonprofit serving Iowa's Latino community, has announced the suspension of its Campa and Camino program due to a lack of financial support, according to a letter from Executive Director Don Martinez Orapaza. Campa El Camino, meaning Partners on the Go, was started in March 2020 to help support the needs of the Latino community that intensified during the pandemic. During the program's more than three years, Al Exito and Compass paid individuals contracted by the nonprofit to help deliver services, have provided case management, financial assistance, translation and interpretation services, tutoring, access to mental health care, and food for the Spanish-speaking community. The program was initially funded by philanthropic organizations providing assistance in response to the pandemic. Between the United Way of Wapalo County, the Community Relief Fund, and two other partners, funding approached $1 million, according to the letter. Other organizations that financially support the program include the Des Moines Civil and Human Rights Commission, Community Foundation of Greater Des Moines, Mid-Iowa Health Foundation, Hispanics in Philanthropy, First Unitarian Church of Des Moines, and United Way of Central Iowa. Organizations that partner with Campa El Camino to share resources and services include Iowa Migrant Movement for Justice, Proteus, Eat Greater Des Moines, DMAC, Corteva, and First Unitarian Church. When pandemic relief funding began to run out, Alexito continued to fund Campa El Camino, including a full-time case manager using operations and carryover funding, Martinez Oropelza told the business record an email. She continued, 
The big bulk of the coordinator's time was providing immediate assistance, helping families navigate systems, connect to other organizations and resources, translate or interpret, and most importantly, listen to their story. Before the suspending the program, Oropesa said that Alexito was seeking pathways to sustainable funding like developing an invoice system for interpretation and translation services. The organization also applied for a grant but only received a quarter of the amount requested, which was not enough for the program to continue. The total financial impact of the program was more than $225,000, meeting 42% of requests for assistance that the organization received in serving people in 68 Iowa counties. This included 2,575 hours of academic support and recovery and 121 families that received assistance with either a rent or mortgage payment or reconnecting utilities. Campa El Camino also served many local human service organizations as well as human resource organizations and service providers. Martinez Oropesa said the program was created with cultural norms and disparities in mind, so existing systems would be easier for the, for the Latino and immigrant communities to access and benefit from. Alexito's connections across the country allowed it to support a range of needs through Campa El Camino. For example, new arrivals from the Caribbean were able to help prepare, dress, and transport family to an immigration meeting, sign students up with school, and provide English tutoring over the summer, find furniture and supply food for an apartment, help find jobs, also set up utilities in translating and interpreting with every organization we encountered, Martin, uh, Martinez or Raposa said. The program became a trusted partner for organizations in the Latino community, which leaves a gap in services for a population that will double in size by 2050, or Raposa said. Calls continue to come in asking for help from some of the most vulnerable in our community. There's nowhere else for them to turn that is trusted and provides caring, culturally responsive support, El Raposa wrote in the letter. Alexito is open to sharing the model it used with another organization able to take on the work, the letter said. Oropozo wrote, many point to local nonprofits to mention their service for Latinos. However, there is a lack of understanding and an exaggeration of services being provided. Most organizations do not have Latino leaders or staff, lack Spanish-speaking employees and materials, and do not have a working knowledge of immigration laws and access Campo El Camino eliminated barriers for our families and provided the social emotional support, connecting Spanish speakers to resources available in the community. And again, this article written by Sarah Dean, who is a staff writer at the Business Record. Iowa Secretary of State unveils updated resources for Iowa notaries. Iowa Secretary of State Paul Pate announced that his office has released a new and updated handbook for Iowa notaries. The Handbook for Iowa Notaries was finalized and published this summer to provide Iowa notaries with an additional resource for learning and a reference on best practices. Pete said in a news release, Our office is proud to serve as Iowa's small business portal, and Iowa's notaries are integral to the state's business community. The most common function of the notary is to witness and attest that the identity of the person appearing before the notary matches the identity of the person who signed the document. The handbook includes information on electronic and remote online notarizations as well as traditional notarization. 
In 2023, Sage's Over 70 honorees announced the business record's sister publication, DSM Magazine, is pleased to recognize the 2023 Sage's Over 70. These seven greater Des Moines leaders have made the city a better place to live through their civic and business leadership, mentorship and endeavors, and community advocacy. A reception will be held November 7th at the FAA Enrichment Center on the DMAC campus to celebrate their achievements. Tickets and registration details will be announced soon. And here are the names of the seven uh, winners. Um, Wayne Ford, retired state representative and former executive director of Urban Dreams. Ford served for 14 years as a state representative and as a longtime executive director of Urban Dreams, a nonprofit he founded in 1985 to support underserved members of the Des Moines community through education, workforce training, access to health services, and more. He was also a community ambassador at Broadlawns Medical Center and co-founded its nationally recognized apprenticeship program to introduce at-risk youth and young adults to careers in health care. The second uh, sage over 70, Joe Gonzalez, retired lieutenant with the Des Moines Police Department and executive director of Iowa's Latino Heritage Festival. Gonzalez was among the first Latino officers of the Des Moines Police Department and helped establish its Hispanic Neighborhood Outreach Program. He is a longtime executive director of the Latino Heritage Festival, an advocate for LEAD Des Moines, and a current or past board member for many community organizations, including Proteus, the Polk County Housing Trust Fund, and the Chrysalis Foundation. Tom Keene, chairman of the board of the Waddinger Corporation, and Linda Keene, retired teacher and philanthropist. The Keens have supported many of Central Iowa's leading community and cultural organizations through service and philanthropy, notably the Des Moines Metro Opera, Des Moines Performing Arts, and the Des Moines Symphony. After leading and expanding the Waldinger Corporation for many years, Tom now serves as the chairman of its board. Linda also serves on the board and was a teacher for 20 years before moving into community leadership. Pat Schneider, Vice President of Ferguson Commercial Real Estate Services, Schneider is the Vice President of Ferguson Commercial Real Estate and a community volunteer who has lent her support to many local projects and organizations, including Drake University, the Des Moines Arts Center, the Greater Des Moines Public Art Foundation, Junior League, and Lee Des Moines, among many others. Martha Willits, retired President and CEO of the Greater Des Moines Partnership. She led the uh, partnership from 2004 to 2012 a time of hard-charging growth that helped the city attract national attention as a thriving place to live, work, and visit. Her previous leadership roles include services as a Polk County Supervisor and President of the United Way of Central Iowa, where her record-breaking fundraising helped the nonprofit expand the range and reach of its services. And finally, Doug West, a retired financial consultant and branch manager for Wells Fargo Advisors, West pivoted from his early career in speech pathology and special education to become a savvy financial consultant for Wells Fargo Advisors. Before and after his retirement in 2017, he dedicated his expertise and resources to many local and state organizations, including the Des Moines Arts Center, Des Moines Performing Arts, Iowa Public Radio, and On With Life, which provides services for people coping with brain injuries and chronic disease. So congratulations to those seven individuals for the that award. Volunteers ready to clean up the waterways at Four Mile Fest. Volunteers will clean up local waterways and learn to mitigate stormwater flood, flooding in their communities at Four Mile Fest. Part of the 
21st annual River Run Garbage Grab event starts at 8.30 tomorrow, Friday, August 11th at Four Mile Community Recreation Center in Des Moines. We're proud to have a strong core of volunteers who not only continue to show up to keep our rivers and drinking water clean, but also learn how to engage in better conservation practices in their daily lives through our educational programming with our coalition of partners. Luke Hoffman, Executive Director of Iowa Rivers Revival, said in a news release. Hoffman will speak at the event along with several other community leaders and elected officials, including Tom Hockensmith, Polk County Supervisor, Lee Tesdale, Commissioner of the Polk County Soil and Water Conservation District, Cole Miller, Regional Coordinator of Icon Water Trails. The event is organized by the Iowa Rivers Revival Service Squad Program in partnership with Icon Water Trails, Athene, Polk County, Trout Unlimited, Polk County Soil and Water Conservation District, the City of Des Moines Park and Recreation, the Sustainable Iowa Land Trust, and Polk County Conservation. Three Iowa hospitals receive Centers of Excellence Award grants. Three Iowa hospitals will receive a portion of more than $2.2 million in funding to improve health care delivery in rural Iowa, Governor Kim Reynolds and the Iowa Department of Health and Human Services announced last week. Cass Health, Mahaska Health, and Van Buren County Hospital will each receive up to $250,000 annually for three years through the Iowa Centers of Excellence program. The Centers of Excellence provide funds to help regional and local health systems build and enhance systems in an effort to provide rural Iowans with the same kind of access to specialized care as Iowans who live in metro areas. Cass Health will use the funds to try to improve rural maternal health services in southwest Iowa. Mahaska Health, Health hopes to build upon regional partnerships that support maternal care, obstetrics, and general surgery while expanding to include cardiology and oncology. Van Buren will use the funding to address the needs of geriatric patients and form a system of collaboration and managed care to guide patients with complex care needs to available resources at the Southeast Iowa Complex Care Network. Financial incentives proposed for the Carpenter Warehouse renovations. This is an article written by business record staff. A proposed historic renovation of a downtown Des Moines warehouse building would receive up to $6.4 million in financial incentives from the city under a development agreement expected to be voted on by the city council. Developer Tim Ripma is proposing converting the four-story warehouse at 106 Southwest 7th Street into a Class A commercial office, according to information provided to the council. The four-story, 46,816-square-foot building constructed in 1917 is commonly known as the Carpenter Paper Company Warehouse. The proposed $21.9 million renovation also includes landscaping and parking lot improvements, The proposed tax increment financial incentive would be paid over 20 years, council information shows. Ritma is also seeking federal and state historic tax credits for the project. City staff previously has said the building is one of the last few classic brick warehouse buildings remaining downtown that hasn't been converted to other uses other than industrial. Other buildings that have been used as warehouses have either been demolished or converted to residential uses. The Carpenter Paper Company was established in 1890 in Omaha, according to the University of Delaware Library. The company was Omaha's first paper company, which sold a variety of stationary products, envelopes, and cardboard. The company established branches in Des Moines, Kansas City, Denver, and Salt Lake City. 
1937, it operated 29 distribution centers in 19 states. The company was sold in 1961 to a larger paper company. The paper company used the downtown Des Moines office building until 1987 for not only offices but warehouse space as well. Employers Mutual Casualty Company acquired the property and used the building for document storage space. EMC sold the property as well as the adjacent Lortex Incorporated building in 2022. The property at 106 Southwest 7th Street is valued at $1.76 million. When the renovation is completed, the property is expected to be valued at nearly $11 million, council information shows. It is anticipated that this project could spur additional interest in the development of adjoining surface parking lots in the surrounding area, and that's uh, information that the city staff provided to the council. The city's Urban Development Design Board in June 2022 gave approval to the project's preliminary designs. Ripma has also said he plans on converting the Lortex building into space for a restaurant, tavern, or other entertainment uses. Councilors also expect to take action soon on these uh, items. Approve a professional services agreement with MA Architecture to provide architectural and engineering design service for the Reichart Community Recreation Center, and that's planned on the current site of the John R. Grubb Community YMCA at 1611 11th Street. The agreement with MA Architecture is not to exceed $2 million, according to information provided to the council members. MA Architecture was among six firms that submitted requests for proposals for the project. A selection committee composed of city staff reviewed the proposals and recommended AM Architecture be awarded the design project. The planned two-story center is expected to include an NBA-sized basketball court, an elevated track, fitness space, and community rooms. Construction costs are estimated at $18 million. The city of Des Moines has allocated up to $12 million from the local option sales service tax to be used to help pay for construction. The council is also expected to approve preliminary terms of a development agreement with North Des Moines Town Hall LP that plans to renovate property at 1601 6th Avenue. The two-story building, known locally as North Des Moines Hall, is proposed to undergo an estimated $3.5 million in renovations. The building is expected to include a restaurant and another commercial user on the first floor and four residential units on the second floor. City staff is recommending the project receive a $300,000 forgivable loan. The project has also received a $160,000 grant from the Neighborhood Commercial Revitalization Program and is receiving state historical tax credits. Redevelopment is expected to begin by the fall of 2024. The Greater Des Moines Partnership announced its next public policy issue forum will address rural development. The forum will take place from noon to 1 p.m. on August 17th. It is part of a series of forums that will include a conversation among panelists who will provide insights surrounding the policy implications of that priority issue. The confirmed panelists for the Rural Development Forum include moderator Bill Menner of the Iowa Rural Rural Development Council and Katie Lord of Mid-American Energy Company. They will discuss programs and policies that support rural development across the Des Moines region. Registrants can attend in person at the partnership office at 700 Locust Street or receive a live stream link upon registration. 
and registration is available on the website of the Greater Des Moines Partnership. DMARC Food Pantry Network sets a new single-day record. Des Moines Area Religious Council Food Pantry Network assisted 1,731 individuals on Tuesday, setting a single-day record of people assisted. The record-breaking day followed a June and July of the second and third busiest months in the 48-year history of the DMARC Food Pantry Network. DMARC CEO Matt Unger said in a news release this summer, has always this summer has always put additional burdens on families struggling with food insecurity, but is by no means expected to be one of our busiest times of the year. Our community is still adjusting to this new normal, and if you're living paycheck to paycheck, every bit counts. Since July 2022, DMARC has seen an increase in the number of people seeking help, many for the first time. The Food Pantry Network has assisted one in five Des Moines residents during that time. To help meet the need, DMARC is teaming up with 14 partner food pantries to collect food donation, a first-of-its-kind network-wide food drive in August. The Metro-wide event kicked off Thursday at Kinship Brewing Company as part of the Kinship in the Neighborhood Quarterly Nonprofit Partnership. Unger said, People need to understand that food insecurity is an issue that is affecting every neighborhood in the Metro. Take a look at what is going on in your own backyard, and if you can, Please find your way to best help. Congregations, workplaces, and individuals can support DMARC or their local food pantry by hosting a food and fund drive. Grandview partners with tech workforce platform Skillstorm. The Jacobson Institute at Grandview University announced the launch of a new training partnership designed to strengthen Iowa's technology talent pipeline to support the state's fast-growing tech industry. The initiative, powered by the tech workforce platform Skillstorm, intends to provide employers throughout Iowa and nationally with access to a deeper pool of qualified tech workers and a means of of improving the skills of the present workforce. The Jacobson Institute is driving a new era of tech talent development in Iowa and beyond, Lynn Burke's executive director of the Jacobson Institute said in a news release. Through this transformation, or through this transformative partnership, we're providing cutting-edge tech training and certifications that provide Iowa businesses with a new resource to advance their employees' skills while laying the groundwork for sustained economic growth and innovation both regionally and nationally. Several major tech companies already have facilities in Iowa, including John Deere, Rakiva, and Collins Aerospace, as well as startups in agricultural technology financial technology, health technology, and software development, all of which have accelerated the demand for qualified tech professionals in the state of Iowa. And we'll wrap up our uh, reading of the business record with a column by David Elbert to Elbert Files. Governor Kim Reynolds' new state motto, Iowa, Freedom to Flourish, is the fifth state slogan proposed by an Iowa governor since the 1950s when license plates identified us as the corn state. The governor's choice immediately met with derisive social media posts that expanded on her message. For example, Iowa freedom to flourish unless you are a woman, a teacher, a member of a minority group, or an immigrant, gay or transgendered. You get the idea. Cedar Rapids Gazette's Todd Dorman asked, Can a state where Republican leaders worked overtime to rescind Iowa's true freedoms truly flourish? She also tweeted, If that's supposed to be a river in the logo, it should be brown. 
Reynolds should not have been surprised at the backlash. Each of the four slogans that preceded hers was critiqued, although none quite as viciously in the pre-social media times. Governor Robert Ray was the first to feel the sting in 1970 when a Cedar Rapids advertising agency came up with Iowa, a place to grow. The symbol was described as resembling a four-leaf clover highway interchange, although officials denied that was the inspiration. The symbol depicts growth in all directions, Ray explained. But Jerry Knight, the Des Moines Register's transportation reporter, wrote that the symbol had been compared to four toilet seats and one whose words were in print, it was impossible to erase the image from Iowa's mind. Every governor since Ray, except for Chuck Culver, has found it necessary to try to improve Ray's efforts. Governor Branstad proposed two slogans. He offered Iowa state of minds and introduced Iowa, you make me smile. State of Minds was proposed during Branstead's first year in office, and it turned out to be a worse disaster than a place to grow. Riggler, uh, Robert Riggler, chair of the Iowa Transportation Commission, told the Des Moines Register's Randy Evans that the idea hasn't proved to be a grabber with Iowans. It was, however, endorsed by many of the state's business and later leaders. Which brings us to Governor, Till, Till, Governor Tom Vilsack, a Democrat who was very Democratic about choosing a replacement. He solicited input from all Iowans before turning 2,203 suggestions over to a select panel of high school seniors. Phil Stack announced the winner at the 1999 Iowa State Fair, Iowa, a field of opportunities. The new slogan conveys a sense that Iowa is a place of unlimited opportunity, Phil Stack explained, but many Iowans saw it as an awkward ripoff of the 1989 Kevin Costner movie, Field of Dreams. Perhaps Shakespeare put it best, all efforts to create a state slogan were doomed to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous future. And you've been listening to the business record on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Handicapped. I'm Pat Steele, and thank you for sharing your time with IRIS.